Hi, this is Brian McGee from Propaganda. And you're listening to the New Wave Music Podcast. Welcome back today on the New Wave Music Podcast. We're joined by a special guest, Mr. David Sterry, from the legendary band Real Life. I'm sure, David, most of our listeners are going to remember, remember Real Life from such hits as Catch Me, I'm Falling. Catch me, I'm falling down again. I know it's a dream, but just the same. God Tonight. the mega hit send me an angel you're looking for love calling heaven above send me an angel send me an angel right now david thank you thank you for taking the time to chat with us you're welcome thank you for the nice introduction uh, usually I'm joined with our co-host T-Bone but he's on assignment not able to, to join us today we're just gonna go ahead and get started with the interview David Sure. Uh, could you tell me what inspired you to become a, a musician? Um, I'm useless at anything else. <laughs> I <laughs> failed. I didn't pass anything in school. Um, I, I so much wanted to learn and I tried so hard, but I'm just one of those people that, that is not capable of learning. I think I'm a bit dyslexic, to be honest. And um, there wasn't, you know, I very much wanted to have a life. And, and when I was very young, the Beatles were out and the Stones were out and then Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin. And I thought, wow, you know, I'd love to be able to do something like that, even if it wasn't becoming a, a pop star myself, but I wanted to do music. So and that kind of leads into the, a follow up. And it sounds like you may have already answered that. But who were your influences or who are your current influences? Um, just also, there's always great music around. And when I was young, when I was you know, in high school, uh, Sergeant Peppers came out. Uh, then Jimi Hendrix came along and Cream came along. And I loved all that stuff that sort of led into heavy metal. Um, uh, I guess I, and, and nowadays I realise how much I, it was the blues. Um, and so going back to find out the influence of Zeppelin and the Stones and discovering uh, the great blues players. So uh, it's strange how I ended up writing such silly little pop songs like Send Me an Angel and Catch Me on Falling after that. But, um, you know, finally, you know, there was no way, I got into prog music like bands like Yes and Pink Floyd, but there's no way I was a good enough musician to play that sort of music. And then punk came along and it took it back to three chords and then New Wave came along and made it more interesting and sort of made way for people like me who weren't that brilliant a musician or a singer. So that's where it started. I, I for one, am glad you chose that path. So you named a couple of those songs that have been <laughs> staples of growing up and listening to. I, I'm a big fan. Thank you. Um, in your many years in the music industry, uh, it's obviously has changed over the last years, even the last couple of years. How have you had to adapt? Well, just coming out of COVID, all the, all the work went away. You know, there's no work for start. 
um, the music business has changed, especially if you're an older artist like me. Uh, no one wants to, a new record from you uh, these days. You're not going to get uh, played on radio or written about in the press. You're just some you know, heritage thing in the background that's not expected to keep creating. So, and of course, the different mediums, um, uh, vinyl, you know, because we started in the vinyl era, then it became the CD era and then the MP3 era. era. And um, I, for one, got very nostalgic a few years ago and wanted to make a new record and made sure I made it on vinyl and CD. Um, because there's a whole lot of um, fans in our range group that, you know, they won't, if I give them a free download, they don't want it. Well, we don't play downloads. And then if someone who had, would like a download doesn't want a CD and someone who doesn't want a CD doesn't, doesn't want vinyl. So you, it's very hard to please everybody. Uh, you've got no chance of, you know, being on radio or, or in the press. So for me, I guess there's less opportunity. Uh, and I kind of have concerns for younger musicians, how they're going to break through and make a living from the sale of their music. And, uh, well, they seem to be doing fine. I guess I shouldn't worry too much about them. But it's changed. It's gone full circle. It's completely changed for me. But your latest album, Sirens, was that done through like a crowdfunding or did you just do that on your own? Just did it Just did it on my own. Uh, and that, that was the, the record I thought, I'm going to make a vinyl album. Maybe the last record I'm, I make, but I want it to be on vinyl and I want it to be on CD. And of course, it has to be on Spotify and those platforms as well. Um, but yeah, it was a case of I wanted to make a, a vinyl album where you could sit down, had a gatefold cover. It was like back in the old days when I'd get a brand new album and you'd go around to your friend's place who had the best stereo and you would all sit there with, with their mum would make you a cup of tea and you'd read through every word that was on that album and they're, they're often hidden little funny things on there. Um, and I wanted to do that, you know, and it was not about uh, making any money or imagining anyone was going to buy it, but I did that. It's, it's quite a process from having something, an idea in your head to actually making it physical something that you can hold in your hands. So it was an enjoyable process. I enjoyed the writing. It was very tongue-in-cheek. I never expected anybody to listen to it or like it. But the fact is that I'm so very, very proud of it. And it has, when people hear it and we play parts of it live, uh, people do love it. It's been a, um, a logical extension of what I would say our new wave sound and career from where we started. Oh, no doubt. And I, I love the fact that you wanted to recreate that vinyl and that experience of going back and unfolding the vinyl reading through all the liner notes and even just that smell you get from the liner the, the printing of the liner notes yeah you can't yeah. get that on a digital no you can't it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun and anyone who's got it the cd is the same um has the same <laughs> cover there's lots of silliness on there there's some very tongue-in-cheek humor there's some bare-faced lies um it's just me having a really funny time without without having to sort of answer to anybody the rec there's no record company to say you can't do that you can't write that on your record or there's no other band people really to say oh you can't say that so i just i just had a lot of fun i really enjoyed the whole process yeah so um let's talk about the the, the new album this is your first one you've done in i believe in in 11 years right yeah yeah that's true lazy so, i'm lazy and it was it just you that, that worked on it yeah, I, I sort of brought in uh, a guy. I, I'm I'm not good. I made it in a program called Logic that comes with an Apple computer sort of thing. It's like the big brother of GarageBand. And uh, I've got a little room at home that I call my home studio. I've got lots of synthesizers and guitars. 
And uh, the thing I'm not good that good at is is mixing. Um, I, I know how it works. You know, hey, you've got to match the, the the frequency of the bass drum with the frequency of the bass guitar and make them work together. I know all that, but the only thing that I'm ever worried about is does, does my voice sound good or like or, or crap. <laughs> so I can't hear to do those mixes. So I, I got uh, a mix a guy to into mix uh, the stuff, and then I got it. I uploaded it to a, uh, a mixing, a mastering, mixing mastering place in London to, uh, to be done online. So, But I, I recorded everything myself, uh, all the instruments that were played, even though I'm not a keyboard player, I programmed all the synthesizers, played all the guitar parts, uh, did all the vocals. Uh, yeah, I recorded everything on my own. One thing that we've uh, spoken with a lot of different bands, one thing that has changed, as you said, with COVID, is it did uh, impact a lot of remote uh, recording Sounds like you send it us off remotely to get mixed. And a lot of artists I've spoken with kind of, if there's one positive to come out of COVID is they kind of like this remote, uh, mm. take it at their own pace. Mm. Oh yeah. It's been, it's been around a lot. The, the online stuff um, has been around long before COVID. I mean, you can get stuff mastered, mixed and mastered at Abbey Road. If you've got the budget, if you think something is really fabulous, you can upload it to Abbey Road. They cost a lot more, but you can pretty much pick out, who does the mixing and on what stuff do you want them to do it through the Beatles compressor? What do you want it to do through the Pink Floyd compressor or something like that? So that's been around for a long time. And it's just, um, uh, there's a lot more people doing that now. And uh, they offer different packages where they can make it a bit more analog for you. Uh, and there's all sorts of things around that you can do like that. But that that was part of COVID, people working more like that. And people doing this as well, Zoom meetings. Thank God for these. <laughs> yeah. So on the new album, Sirens, the opening track, it's a 16-minute epic song, mm. kind of filled mm. with different instrument instruments and beats and yep. almost kind of like four or five different themes that song takes or turns that song takes. How yep. did that song come together? Well, I thought I was, I was I'm lazy. I thought, okay, okay why don't I, I'll make one side of the album like um, uh, a prog thing where it's, you know, it's a storytelling like Yes Would Do or something. And then make the other side like five poppy songs that you'd, you'd definitely play live. And I thought, Sirens, you know, I've always been interested in the, the legend of the Sirens. I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. You, you know how it's going to end. No one ever gets away from the Sirens. And uh, it was a case of, okay, big mouth, you know. So I, so I came up with the opening song, you know, um, I saw the Sirens singing about someone who couldn't hear them but saw them. And uh, it progresses to... Uh, you know, where he sees them and hears them. And and, and then, of course, I thought, oh, that, that's good because I don't have to write, I can have five parts to it, but I don't have to write an intro, a middle eight and a solo, an end part. Every bit can be its own little uh, part of it, but not have to be a full song. And uh, But then I realised that I had to make the sirens sing, you know, and um, I thought, oh, no, now I'm in trouble. What am I going to do? How would the sirens sound? And... Uh, I kind of came up with that um, sort of by accident. I was worrying about something and I had a, a female sample on my keyboard and for some reason my hand just started playing the part of the sirens and I thought, oh, this is good and uh, got that and then progressed through the story of after he heard the sirens singing, the boat started leaking and then, of course, as happens when you're drowning, uh, aliens heard his calls for help and thought, well, we're going to help out, but then they failed and, of course, the end is inevitable. So, but it was a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun. As soon as I, I thought, I nearly stopped and I thought, oh no, what are the sirens going to sing? And as, as soon as I got that part, I thought, oh, this is great. This is going to be fun. So, yeah. Was, 
And I really enjoyed that track. Um, normally when you see a 16 minute long track, you're kind of like, <laughs> oh, what am I in for? Is this going to be a chore yeah. to go through? And it breezes through. And I think it's because that's yeah. storytelling and you got those different parts going. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with the reaction to that. People do like it. They they get my sense of humour and they go, you know, well done for doing that. Well done for going, I'm just going to, this is never going to be played on radio, but well done for doing it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And he said there's also some some kind of more pop type set tracks. Some that stood out to me was Dream On. on this on this album was great um but i'm sure our listeners sent in a question they they were curious do you have a favorite real life track whether it be on this album or anything in your extensive catalog that's really odd they're all my babies they're all my children <laughs> you're asking me to discriminate um gee going back to going back to the first album uh, my favorite songs are actually burning blue and open-hearted on that first album uh, of course i love Simeon angel um, but Burning Blue and Open Hearted, they're both in the set these days. Um, then, of course, uh, Face to Face from the second album, um, God Tonight, of course, from the third album, and Bits and Pieces. But up to um, the thing that I love most and the guys who are playing in the band in this new set, we, we played for the first time about three weeks ago in Melbourne. And uh, the new stuff, we, we're playing... Um, uh, my beautiful monster, and here come the spacemen and dream on, and they go down so well. And uh, um, what's the other one? The color of light goes down very, very well. So you know, I get really excited when I get to play the new ones, and and the people seem to love them. You know, they go down very well. Very nice. Um, another track on there. Where's God? Where's God? Sounds like that should be a track that should be playing at the clubs or even live. Have you played that one live? And what's the reception? No, we haven't. I haven't played that one because it's like it's fairly epic, and I it's took a lot recording it to get the vocals right. It was it's sort of almost you know past my range, and I'm sure I could sort of do it, um, but uh, yeah, that hasn't fit into the set. I actually want to. I'm trying to organize a show uh here in well melbourne where i live where we play like the entire sirens record from beginning to end take a break and then come back and play all the old the favorites of everybody but i'd love to play this is the record the only record that we've ever made that i would love to play from beginning to end yeah it's a great it's a great album and if our listeners haven't heard it i really encourage you to pick that up the last time I saw you was back in, I think, 2019 as part of the Lost 80s live tour here in the States. Ah, you were there that day. It was a beautiful, hot, yeah. warm day. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I love Salt Lake City. It was, it's, um, I have some very 
fabulous memories of playing there over the years. I know it's such a Salt Lake is such a big kind of a new wavy, you know, Depeche Mode, Real Life, Alphaville, uh, all those bands, the Banshees, you know, that's a big thing with Salt Lake City people. I don't know, it must be something in the water, the salt in the water or something up there, That, but it's uh, always good to play there. Yeah, I think the new wave culture kind of got injected here and it hasn't really left. A few years ago, we talked to Majur and he really was shocked about the reception he got coming back after all these years. Oh, yeah, I've got a show with Midge um, in October in Germany, actually. Wow. Coming up, with German coming up, hopefully nothing's, you know, the code yeah. thing or isn't going to be there. But, yeah, I've got a, a German tour, and at the very end of the tour, I've got a show with um, OMD and Midge. I did I did a wow. show with Midge a few years ago, um, a few, yeah, just before um, the COVID thing, once again in Germany. We have, the same, we have the same agent in Germany. He's a lovely man. Nice. Speaking on my selfish behalf, I really hope we see you in the States sometime sooner than later again. You do put on oh, a great love, show. Yeah. Thank I'd you. love to see you more than just uh, part of a big festival where you only can play a certain amount of songs. Me too. I would love to do that. You know, it's it's it all comes down to things like the visas situation. It's it's incredibly hard to get a performing visa to go to America. It costs a lot of money, takes months to happen, and uh, you, you never know whether you're going to get it. That last tour you mentioned in 2019, I think I applied for the visa like five months ahead of the tour, uh, and it was two days before the tour started that I got it. And wow. so, you know, I bought airfares, the promoters saying, what's happening? Are you you're going to be okay? And it was the same for all the other acts, for Wang Chung and uh, the Flock of Seagulls people that, you know, we're all in that situation of um, apply for your visa but don't actually make any plans. So there's that there's that part of it. Also with the big shows, um, they sell very well as much as I'd love to be in Salt Lake playing small shows, maybe with another band like Berlin or something, someone like that. Um, it's it's the organisation of it these days and the cost that's, that's in here. Sure. I mean, I'd play for, play for nothing practically anywhere. As long as somebody wanted to see me, I'd be very happy to be there. So it sounds like you kind of already hinted about this question, but another one we had a listeners uh, submit is, will we, will we see another full light or another full-length real-life album anytime soon, or is this kind of... I sort of doubt it, to be honest, that okay. I'm just really getting too old. And it's a point where, you, where with sirens, um, you have to play something. You're going to make it. It needs to be played, you know, not just people who bring out an album and never perform live. My whole reason for being a musician is playing live uh, and the writing is a part I have to do to be able to play live. So um, if I thought that uh, I could go and play a new another new album again, I would probably do it again. But at the moment, I'm just, because of COVID stopped uh, sirens being played, I sort of still need to go play that everywhere. It's still a new album to everyone anyway. And yeah, when yeah I just discovered it. I didn't know it was about for like almost two years now. And <laughs> yeah, I, I stumbled across it. And it's like you said, you're just not getting, and it's a shame, you're not getting that uh, exposure or promotion or airplay. Well, that, that's uh, that's what happens for an independent artist. And um, uh, just just playing here recently, the work, amount of work that I've got to do that's not musical to get my band onto a stage and all the promotion, all the internet stuff, all the social media stuff, it really takes its toll, you know, because uh, I'm just uh, getting too old to do all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm, I love getting up and playing, but it's the the links you've got to go through to get to that stage. You know, it's it's really time consuming and it's draining on the soul. And if I can go back just to your previous album back in 2009, 
the eighties mm-hmm. uh, synth essentials, the Send Me an Angel oh, uh, yeah. cover cover album. I personally loved your your covers of Primary by The Cure. How did you decide what songs to cover? Uh, they were my favorite songs. Uh, that was very interesting because um, I guess that's sort of what led up to me making Sirens on my own, actually, oh. is that out of the blue, uh, Cleopatra Records came out, who were a great company, and they said, David, how about you? you re-record Semi and Angel and, and make a whole album uh, of some of your favourites. And and my heart said, yes, 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 but my brain said no because I had no idea how to, you know, record in the computer and make, you know, make a whole album. So um, my heart won with the yes. I said, yeah, okay, I'll do that, no problem. And uh, I was actually learning how to uh, use the logic in the computer while I was making it. There was a, a set of lessons that came out from a Canadian company. So I was looking how to record vocals, how to record guitars, and then doing it on that album. So I learned how to record by making that album. And I just picked out some favourite songs that I thought um, that would suit my voice. I'm glad you liked the Cure one because I had a lot of fun doing that one. Oh, that was great. Uh, I liked yeah. the whole album. That just stood out as a, a unique version. And I was so surprised that uh, people people really love it. I, you know, and and Cleopatra, a great company. I get paid uh, royalties for that, and um, it shows up. You know, my version of Blue Monday comes in in royalties, and I go, "What? How does it feel to treat me like you do when you laid your hands upon me and you told me?" Blue Monday is like the holy grail for me and and uh, my version does okay. So so I learned a lot out of doing that and uh, people uh, seem to like it. And uh, it, it, I'm always surprised when somebody brings it up because I never imagined anybody heard it, but they they have heard it. So that's good. Yeah, it's a great album. Thank you. Um, so just another follow-up question, the one that we like to ask all our guests who have had a big hit. But your hit, Send Me an Angel, do you ever get sick of playing that song? No, no, never. Um, one, I love the song. And and from where I'm standing, I see nothing but smiling faces. And especially after everything that people have been through with COVID, it was great just a few weeks ago to see it on stage and just people for three and a half minutes, they forget that COVID was around or forget everything else that's bad that's happened to them. So it's a real privilege. And I can go anywhere in the world and get that reaction. I can play it in, um, I remember playing it uh, many years ago in Lima in Peru and none of the audience could speak English, but they sang it so loudly at me. They they knew all the words, even though they couldn't talk to me in English. They sang it so loud, it was deafening. And it was um, it's that's a, a very humbling uh, situation to be in for sure for anyone. That's very cool. So it sounds like you are kind of doing some tours on the other side of the globe. We do have listeners throughout in, in many different countries, so they might be luck out and see you. How can our listeners uh, stay up to date with your tour dates? Uh, buy really, sirens, get your music. It's pretty much Facebook these days. That as much as I, I don't love social media, um, people stop looking at web pages, and you've pretty much got to be on Facebook to promote 
because all your audience are on there whether you like it or not. So you've got to be on there and promote that. So, But um, I want to play anywhere in the world. Start petitions, you know. <laughs> well, I'll, petitions I'll start petitions here in Salt Lake. Whatever. Get you back. Yeah. And I love Salt Lake, of course. I want to go there. Nice. They have trams in Salt Lake. I know. We have trams in Melbourne, just like your Salt Lake trams. I feel very at home there. And it's beautiful. Well, thank you, David. Uh, David, thanks again for taking the time to chat with us uh, and share some insight with your new uh, with our listeners. I do want to say to our listeners again, if they have not had a chance to see you live, go see David live. He is amazing. And also the new album, Sirens, is, is amazing. It's phenomenal. And if it is the last real life album, it's a great album to go off of, to, to end on. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time and, and, uh, and showing so much interest in my music. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank, thank you, David. Thank you, David.